0: Welcome to Energy Matters, exploring awakening to your authentic self and finding purpose through mind, body, and soul. With your hosts, Cody Edner and David Gandelman, brought to you by IntuitiveVision.net and GroundedMind.com. Hey, Energy Matters listeners, welcome
1: back to another episode. Our guest today heard a voice that literally saved his life. I won't give away the story yet because he's going to tell it to us, but he decided to make a film about it. Uh, we've got filmmaker Bill Bennett on the show today, and his movie is called PGS, Intuition is Your Personal Guidance System. Bill has won the equivalent of the Academy Award of the Emmy in his home country of Australia. Uh, he's a journalist for ABC. He has an incredible story. And he's never made a spiritual movie before, but he had this life-changing experience And he decided he wanted to travel the world, find spiritual teachers who would have some answers for him and make it a film. And in that process, uh, he interviewed people like Caroline Mists, James Van Prague, Michael Tamora, who's on this show, uh, Dr. Dean Radin, who uh, is also going to be on the show shortly. And he put together this really incredible film and he's here to share that story with us. So I'm excited, Cody, I don't know about you. haven't talked to a filmmaker in this way before. So I'm uh, very
0: excited to have him on. Yeah.
1: yeah. And uh, before we jump into the show, since the topic today is intuition, I think on one level or another, the topic is always intuition with Cody and I. Uh, but we taught a three month course called the Intuitive Masters Training, where we actually teach people how to develop their intuitive skills. So when you hear that voice, or you have that feeling or that knowingness, how do you actually give that structure and turn it into a pragmatic ability? Everybody wants to develop their intuitive abilities, but rarely is there a place to do that. I know I had to literally move from India to Hawaii to find a place just to develop those skills. Uh, and so we taught this course and we're sharing it now. So if you go to energy matters, com, it is on there. And, uh, Let's jump into it. We've got filmmaker Bill Bennett. Hey, Energy Matters listeners, welcome back to another episode. We've got a special one for you if you're into energy and intuition, which you probably are if you're listening to this show. We've got Bill Bennett on today, all the way from Australia. Welcome, Bill.
2: Hey, good day, David. How are you, mate?
1: Great. And of course, flanking me, my co-host, Cody. Hey, everybody. And, uh, yeah. and Bill has just informed us it is a civilized time in Australia. It's just before 8 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> We're a civilized country. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it's funny, you have a New Jersey accent. so weird that you live in Australia. Oh, my, God, my goodness. <laughs> goodness. i got to change that. Yeah, I've got to work oh. on that. Yes. Uh, so, Bill, you have this amazing film about intuition. So, me and Cody... We, we've been looking at it and like, man, we got to have this guy on to talk about this incredible movie he made and all these amazing spiritual teachers that he interviewed. Uh, and it's called PGS, Intuition is Your Personal Guidance System. And you went around the world interviewing some incredible people, and I'm sure you had an amazing experience, and we want to know about it. So maybe we can just start by you telling us a bit about the film, what it's about, and why you decided to make it.
2: Well, look, what happened was this. Going back now to 1999, which is what um, coming on 20 years now,
3: mm. I
2: had a situation where a voice saved my life. I was, in fact, working on a movie in New Orleans. And so I had to leave the hotel early one morning. I was driving to the airport. It was before dawn. It was dark. I was approaching an intersection. I had a green light up ahead. I was actually, in fact, running late because I'd uh, left the hotel a little bit uh, later than I was expected. I went to accelerate to get through on the green line and a voice, I heard a voice kick in and said, slow down. Well, I ignored it. <laughs> <laughs> I ignored it. I thought I must be dreaming or, you know, that's just it was just so weird. I just, I just ignored it. I, I, I went once again to accelerate to make sure that I got through on the green line. The voice said again, more emphatically in the second time, slow down. I did slow down. And then, out of nowhere, on a cross street, running a red light, came this huge truck. Um, it barreled through the mm. intersection. It just missed me. I, I as soon as I saw it, then I slammed on the brakes. But but had I not slowed down beforehand, that truck would have hit me. It would have killed me. And what happened then was that I um, pulled up on the, on the other side of the intersection. I was shaking, and the adrenaline kicked in, and so forth. and, and I. I thought, what, what was that voice? What, what just saved my life? And that was the trigger point then for the film. Um, a lot happened after that. I mean, I actually forgot about it for a long time cause I was making the movie and then, you know, life sort of took over, but, but every now and again, this image of this truck and this absolute extraordinary sense of shock of this truck almost missing me and the voice, which, which saved my life it just kept on coming back to me and back to me. Essentially, I wanted three questions answered. What was that voice? Where did it come from? And why did it save my life? And those were the three questions then that um, really compelled me to make the movie.
1: Wow. And do you feel like after making this film, you've answered those questions? And can you share the answers with us?
2: (laughs) Well, I do, because... What happened after that was that I went through, it was about four years after that happened that I finally decided that I'd make a movie. It's not like, you know, I I had that sort of brush with death and then immediately I went, wow, this is a movie in this. That didn't happen at all. I Mm. I, I sort of thought about it and pondered about it for quite some time. And then I began to read. You you see, you've got to understand that I came from a very evidence-based background. Both my parents were dentists. All my siblings had gone into the medical professions. I, I had grown up in a a very secular household where, you know, it was drummed into me that if, if science couldn't prove it, then it didn't exist. And I, I started off, in fact, doing medicine, Uh, but, um, uh, (laughs) uh, intuition intervened and I segued across then into journalism. And then I trained as a journalist at the Australian Broadcasting Corporation, which is like the BBC in Australia. You know, very, very good training as a journalist, but um, I was there for about 12 years, and that only reinforced this belief that I should look at the world objectively, and you know, I, I was sort of, it was drummed into me to be very sceptical of anything religious or spiritual or metaphysical. Um, <clears throat> so I approached the whole subject, when I did decide to make the film, I approached the whole subject with a certain level of scepticism. Um, but I was prepared to keep an open mind. That was the really important thing. But I found it very difficult. I found it extremely difficult to raise money for this film. You've got to understand that, that prior to this, I established myself as a filmmaker, you know, very successfully, if you like, because I, I produced and directed 16 movies, putting aside oh, documentaries mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But these, you know, you know proper big-budget movies. Um, you know, in Australia, at that point, I was one of the most prolific and successful filmmakers um, you know, working, but I could not get this movie that I wanted to do on intuition. I couldn't get it off the ground. No one would take it, accept it. You know, you know there were some people that oh. say, "Look, this could be a really fantastic subject. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's an audience for it, but it's just too left field for us. We can't do it." I had enormous problems getting this film off the ground, mm-hmm. and then something something happened after about ten years. At the point at which I was about to give up and just throw the whole thing in and just say, "Look, maybe the universe is telling me that." I shouldn't be making this movie. At the point where I was just about to give up, something happened that changed everything around. God, that sounds like a cliffhanger, doesn't it? So, Thanks the, for the, listening, the, everyone. Oh, oh, Bill, what happened? <laughs> uh, this is my innate story, storytelling skills coming out. You see, <laughs> that gives me time to have a quick coffee. Um, so, do you want to know what happened? Absolutely. Okay what happened was this, it was very, very strange. I was at that point of, of, about to, of saying, look, I'm, I'm going to throw the talent on this. I've you know, been traveling all over the world, going to film markets and meeting financiers and distributors and sales agents and so forth and doing presentations and getting down on bended knees of the financiers and the whole thing. And, and whilst at times they were gracious and sometimes they weren't so gracious, mm. I, I kept on getting rejections. And then I, I decided one late one one day, okay, I'm going to go to bed tonight, and in the morning, I've got to make a decision. I've got to make a decision whether or not to, you know, proceed with this and keep on banging my head against the wall or give up and walk away from it altogether and, you know, get back to my proper day job, which was making movies. And that night, I had a dream. The dream was very clear in its direction. It was absolutely unambiguous, and I can see the dream even now, so many years later, in my head. Um, the dream told me that I had to make the movie immediately, that I had to make it in a very unconventional way, that I had to jury rig it together and use whatever resources were at hand. but I had to make it. And and anyway, so I woke up sort of almost like a cliche, you know, like <laughs> springing, springing bolt upright in my bed with my eyes, you know, wide open just like <laughs> in the movie like that, you know, with this clear, clear, unambiguous – direction that I've got to make this movie, I've got to do it unconventionally, I've got to jury-rig it, I've just, I've just got to do it. Anyway, I looked across at the bedside clock and the time was 4.44 and I thought, that's weird. Mm-hmm. So being at the time, the type A, type A personality that I was, I sleep with my iPad. <laughs> <laughs> so I, um, I, go- I immediately Googled, what does 4.44 mean? Anyway, so up came these several entries, pretty much essentially saying the same thing. And that was, this is, um, 444 is a powerful angelic number telling you that at this moment, you are surrounded by your angels, your archangels and your spirit guides. Um, They are acknowledging that you have been working towards your goals and doing and trying very hard working towards your goals but that if you follow your inner wisdom and your intuition, you will be guided and you will be protected and you'll be led to great success.
3: Hmm.
2: Wow. So I, you know, I read this and, you know, as I said before, I wasn't at that point, somebody who believed in angels at all. Um, but having woken up out of that dream and then having, having read this and, and, you know, this, this notion that at that moment at 444 that I was surrounded by angels and archangels and spirit guides, essentially urging me forward and saying, you know, we've got your back bill, you know, just, just keep on going and, and everything will work out. Well, I had to make a decision. Um, I had to make a decision as to whether or not I should believe that or whether I should dismiss it and just say, that's just too weird, you know, and go back to sleep. And then, Wake up a few hours later and forget the whole thing. Well, at that point, at four forty-four in the morning, I decided that I would believe it, oh, and that
3: cool.
2: that brought the film into creation. And that one decision fundamentally changed my life.
0: I love that uh, the message was to follow your intuition to make a movie about intuition.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that that was that was that was the kicker, you know. Yeah. It, And what I realized was that, um, what I realized is that the reason that the film hadn't come into form prior to that is because I had been using will force. Mm -hmm. I've been using intellect, rational mind, ego, personality, all of those, if you like, you know, intellect based, um, faculties. And I hadn't been following my intuition. Right. And as soon as I made that decision to, to put all of that aside and to trust that I would be protected and guided. That was one of the really important things, you know, to put aside fear and to trust that i had been, been guided. But what happened was I went back to sleep and then a couple of hours later, I woke up and I went out and I bought a video camera. I bought some sound gear I bought some lighting gear. I booked two tickets to India because intuitively I knew that that's where I should start. Um, and I set off. I didn't set sort off straight away. I set off, um, what, about six weeks later. And here's, here's the thing. I didn't plan anything. I mean, whenever, whenever you make a movie, one of the things you've got to do is you've got to plan, you know, because time is money. I didn't plan anything. I didn't have any schedule. I didn't have any budget. <coughs> Pardon me. My, my wife and I kicked in some, some of our um, savings, and that set us off. We landed in India not knowing what to do or where to go, or, you know, who to interview. I mean, I, I've ended up with really some of the world's top experts in intuition in my film, but mm. I never had a list. I was led from person to person to person. Guidance made this film. I, I take some level of ownership over the packaging of it, if you like, but uh, in terms of the content and the people in the movie, um, I was led to them and... I've got to say, I look back on the movie now, you know, I go to these, I go to these screenings up for Q&As and stuff like that. I look at the movie and I go, I didn't make that. How did this happen?
0: This <laughs> <It's> just <laughs> all too <weird. laughs> It's just kind of happening yeah. through you, huh? That's pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, so as the skeptic about intuition going in, you know, it, how did your intuition develop throughout the course of the the movie. I mean, you know, I teach, and David, we teach intuition, and one aspect of intuition developing is a person just has to start to find a place to use it and listen to it and trust it, and the more you do, you know, the more it grows. So, what, what was your experience with that?
2: That was exactly the experience, Cody. Um, how, look, some very, very weird things happen. I'll tell you I shouldn't use the word weird because I interviewed Callan Mayes and I used, I happened to use the word weird in front of her one time and she jumped down my throat and she said, she said, what's weird about that? That's the way it works. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> Thanks Caroline. I don't, I, I don't know whether you know Carolyn Mayes, but that's the way she, you know, cool. <laughs> approaches life. Um, she's wonderful. But um, exactly what happened, I, I, like for instance, I, I got to India, I, um, I was sitting in the back of the cab and you know, here, here I am, you know, with all this expensive camera gear and and with this notion of going to make a movie. And like I say, I'm an experienced filmmaker, but I've never ever embarked on a movie not knowing what to do or where to go or who to speak to. Um, and I was in the back of the cab, I've been to Mumbai before. And I remember, I, I recalled seeing a billboard by the side of the road. Um, a big billboard, and I, I saw it in my mind, so I really clearly I saw the way the billboard was laid out, and the typesetting, you know, everything. Um, advertising the um, Mumbai, just called the Institute of Yoga, Mumbai. So from the back of the cab, I, I had my trusty iPad with me, it was on roaming, and so I googled um, Bombay Institute of Yoga. And up came their website and the phone number. And so from the back of the cab, as so I was going into the, into the hotel, I called them and I said, I'm a filmmaker from Australia. Can I come and I'm doing a film on intuition. Can I come and talk to the director? So I had an appointment the next day. Anyway, for the rest of the trip in to the, uh, to the hotel, I looked down for that billboard, but I never saw it. And I thought, that's strange. They must've taken it down. The next day I arrived at the Institute to do the interview with the director. And there was the billboard, exactly as I'd seen it in my mind's eye. And I did the interview with the uh, director. It was a wonderful interview. And at the end of the interview, I said, what happened to the um, billboard that you had, you know, on the, on the highway coming in from the airport? And she said, we, we've never had a billboard there. <laughs> and I said, I said, well, yes, you have, because I've seen it. You know, it's exactly like the one you've had out front. And she said, no, 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 we've never had a billboard um, outside of our premises. The one out out front is the only one that we've had, you know, so, so what happened? So I, I had some kind of precognitive flash of that, of that signage outside their Institute, which prompted me to call them. And what happened then was that after the interview, um, the director said, well, where are you going next? And I said, Rishikesh. And she said, well, if you're going to Rishikesh, then you really should go into the Parmath, Nikita, Ashram and meet um Pujis, Swamiji and so forth. And so, and he ended up being in the movie. And the, that ashram at, at um, Rishikesh ended up being a very important fulcrum point then for, you know, leading up. So what happened was the director then put me out to somebody else. who put me out to somebody else, you know, and, and the whole thing just was led from person to person to person. Wow. And what happened was, and to get back to your, your question, uh, sorry, you, you, yeah, your question, Katie, that's exactly what happened. What I realized was this, is that when when I trusted intuition I went with it, things happened. And when I doubted, when fear kicked in, then things would stop. And you know, it it was a kind of it wasn't an immediate thing for me, it was sort of a gradual kind of feeling of my way in the dark. You know, going oh, okay. Well, this is working, and this way is working. But so, when I when I follow guidance, you know, um, doors open. And then when I doubt and I begin to question things, and I begin to use the my rational side of my brains, well, things shut down. Mm-hmm. And then after a while, you know, kind of like you know, like a like a an experimental rat. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know. Let's see what I, happens now.
1: Yeah, <laughs>
3: yeah
2: it, 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 I sort of, you know, slowly dawned on me that this was the best way to work.
0: Yeah, that's great. And that lesson is is one that all of us, I think, in this kind of line of of uh, thinking, are always learning. Right? There's always that choice to follow intuition or to kind of play it safe and listen to fear. You know, one of one of the ways I, I heard about you, Bill, was. We interviewed Michael Tamura a few shows back, or I, I'm not sure when it was. It's been a while. He's a longtime friend. But he told a story about you in, in his interview, which I found fascinating because it was a story about a man who followed his intuition, kind of had a defining moment that really changed his whole life. And that's how he found purpose, right? And, and found his path in a way. So even though we're talking about you making this movie and developing in your intuition, it sounds like you've had that little guidance and hit of intuition all your life. And I'm wondering if you might not mind sharing that that story with us.
1: And Michael didn't tell us that you were the person he was talking about. All he said was, I know a guy and this happened to him when he was surfing and he told this really cool story. I did not say Bill's name. Maybe i
0: have to go back and listen. Yeah.
1: Actually. All right, we'll have to listen because I well, don't remember him saying that. he might, he might have said it afterwards. But Maybe. I do. Well, yeah. Funny. But anyway.
2: Well, this this will be kind of like a Rashomon moment, you know, where you see it from different perspectives and yeah, you choose which <laughs> one works for you. Yeah. Um, just just um, getting back, I think it was Cody. You said something about um, you know, always being intuitive. Look, number one, I think we are. Each of us is intuitive. Mm-hmm. Um, as for me, I didn't realize at the time when this happened that that was intuition working through me. Um, it's only only now, you know, when I've learned what I've learned about intuition, the way intuition works, and the way it connects with you, is that I look back on my life and I see these points where intuition has prompted me and guided me. Um, and this is one. So what happened was this: I had matriculated from school I got enough points to get into med school both my parents were dentists as I mentioned earlier and I it was it was kind of um, whilst my parents never said you've got to go to med school it, it was sort of the thing that I should do you know that, that I should go to me- medical school even, even though it wasn't it didn't feel natural to me anyway I've been going to med school for a little while and I had end of year exams on I think it was um, year, year two of med school Um, and our, the the way our exam system works, it happens at the end of the year, which is our summertime. I passed all subjects, but I didn't pass one. I got what was called a supplementary pass in biochemistry, which I hated. What that meant was that I had to come back in January to sit for that exam. And if I didn't pass that exam, then I failed the year. If I passed the exam, then I would pass the year and go into third, third year med. Um, but on that particular day I was surfing. And the day of the exam, I was surfing and I just picked up a new surfboard and it was one of those transcendent moments where the surfboard and I kind of formed this mystical union if you like and it was a a very strange day because there was it was a beach break there was no one out I was there by myself the waves were perfect there was a slight offshore wind It was about four to six feet and the board and me just became one the board became an extension of my mind and I but I knew I had to get out of the car out of the water at uh, midday to get back to Brisbane to sit for this exam at 2 p.m. So midday came up. I, I got out of the car. I, I got out of the surf. I took this brand new board that I'd picked up and went back to the car. And I was putting it on the top of the car. And I looked into the back seat, and there were my biochemistry textbooks. Well, I knew that I'd done enough work to get through the exam, and that I would pass. But but I had this moment of epiphany where I looked at those I looked at those books, those textbook textbooks in the back of the car. I looked at this brand new surfboard that I was putting on top of the car on the board racks. I looked out and just as I happened to look out, a set came through and there was about three waves just breaking perfectly left and right. And whilst it's hard to believe on the gold coast in January, there was no one out. It, it was almost, it was almost like this mystical moment. And I, I just had this moment where I went, you know what? I don't want to bloody be a doctor. And I took <laughs> I took the board off the racks, I went back out and surfing at two o'clock came, I was still surfing (laughs) (laughs) and I I purposefully blew the year and I I blew, you know, any opportunity I had then for doing medicine, you know, so all at that point, all I really wanted to do was write. Um, I just wanted to be a writer, but there was no sort of career path for a writer. So I changed my course across from medicine across to arts law, majoring in journalism. And that set me on my path. So that one moment, you know, where I looked at the textbooks in the back of the car, I looked at the board, I looked at the surf and I went, you know what, I don't want to be a doctor. That now I can see is my guidance saying, Bill, you're on the wrong path. You've got to follow your heart.
1: Wow. Incredible,
2: and so for all you young people listening to this show,
1: we highly recommend you go surfing instead of
2: (laughs) instead of your college. Yeah, but 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 we're not we're not answerable or accountable.
0: (laughs) You're not accountable. That's your
1: own intuition's fault. Uh,
0: (laughs) That's incredible. But that moment where you truly listen to yourself—that—that's the point to me that that defining moment where you listen to your heart listen to what you really wanted to do and start to follow that and for some people that would be becoming a doctor following medicine but well, well, well look right?
2: exactly but but there i gotta say there was another moment later on i won't go into the details because personal where i was in a relationship with a woman and i i knew the relationship wasn't right and yet i and I remember waking up in the middle of the night going, this is wrong. I've got to get out of this. I've really got to get out of this. Um, but then I didn't have the courage to follow that and I continued the relationship and things didn't work out. Mm. You know, so, so that was a sort of a counter moment where I went, I knew in my heart that it wasn't right, but I didn't have the courage to break up the relationship,
3: Mm.
2: you know, so it works both ways. But like I say, you know i i didn't at the time consider that, that was intuition. I just thought you know that's just that's just how things work uh, yeah. now I realize that it was guidance absolutely tapping me on the shoulder saying you've got to go this way you've got to go that way mm.
3: that's that's
1: incredible and and then so bill back to India. I actually used to live in Rishikesh for a long time, and I lived oh, wow. there just a few ashrams down from mm. the one you were you were at so you're mm. So you're in India, you start to meet all these amazing teachers, you start to do the interviews yourself, and then it just led you to interviewing all these incredible people like Caroline Miss, uh, Dr. Norman Shealy, James Van Prague, uh, Dean Raden, Dr. Dean Raden, who's coming on our show soon. He's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Uh, so how did you end up meeting all of these people?
2: Well, Michael Tamura, who you interviewed, in fact, how that happened was that I was interviewing uh, James Van Prague. And I've got to say, with James Van Praag, um, two days before I met him, I'd never even heard of him. I didn't know who he was. I can't, I can't remember now who, it was maybe Norm Shirley said that I should, um, no, it was um, Francesca McCartney, who's... Um, heads up the Academy of Intuition Medicine in Sausalito. Uh, she was the one who suggested that. So I did the interview with James. James said, where are you going next? I said, oh, I hear Mount a spiritual place. I might go there. And he said, well, if you go to Manchester, you really should meet Michael Tamura. But getting back to Rishikesh, um, I had been trying to get into the Vatican for a long, long time because I wanted a, a religious perspective on intuition. Um, from Australia, I've been making phone calls and, you know, using all of my contacts as a previous journalist and so forth to try and speak to pe- high level people in the Vatican. I just couldn't get, I couldn't get an edge in any, anyway at all. Um, it was just blocked to me at Rishikesh. Um, I was, um, I was at Artie one night. Artie is a ceremony down by the Ganges of, of an evening yeah, and I was maybe. watching this <clears throat> yeah, well, I was watching this um, man. He was a photographer, and he was taking photographs of um, of the whole ceremony. And I could just tell, being a photographer myself, I could just tell by the way he moved and his angles and so forth, and the way he held the camera that he was he was obviously a professional. Anyway, <clears throat> after at the ashram, I found myself sitting opposite him over dinner, and I began a conversation with him. I said, "Look, I you know, I saw I saw you earlier. You." you obviously know how to use a camera. And he said, Oh, yes, I'm a professional. And I said, um, where do you work? He said, Oh, I'm, I'm retired now, but, um, for 25 years, I was the Vatican photographer. <laughs> I went, what? He said, yeah, I, I was the official Vatican photographer for 25 years. I said, mate, we've got to talk. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, David, Cody, that's how this film came about. Uh-huh. I mean, you know i've been trying to get into the vatican and then suddenly i find myself sitting right opposite the official vatican photographer for the last 25 years at this in, ashram in, in and the Ibi. himalayas in the himalayas yeah and you know and so <laughs> he brave. gave me he gave me contacts you know and and suddenly the vatican became open to me and i ended up spending a week shooting there i mean it, it was extraordinary wow. absolutely extraordinary you know so so what happened was that when i opened myself up to guidance and allowed myself to flow with the nature of the universe, things happen and I, I was, I flowed in the right directions. And when that happened, things just, you know, doors just opened effortlessly. Like I've got the Prince of Bhutan in my movie. I
1: was about you know? to ask. <laughs> yeah,
2: now you know, how do you get the Prince of Bhutan in the movie? I mean it was just so simple i got a phone call i was in dallas texas at the time i got a phone call from a friend of mine um in um, beverly hills and he said i've just been the beverly hills hotel uh reception at the beverly hills hotel and i met the prince of bhutan and i told him about your movie and i hope you don't mind but on your behalf i asked him whether he would be interested in being involved as an interview subject and he said yes um and then he, and this bloke said from on the phone, would you like to interview the Prince of Utah? I said, sure thing. <laughs> <laughs> and wow. that's how it happened. It was just so simple. So when I followed guidance, yeah, the path was very clear. And at times when I step into fear, things just shut down.
0: Yeah. Now you have me curious about what the, Vatican, what the Catholic take on intuition was, or what information you got? Or do I have to watch the movie to get
2: that? Well, you've got to watch the movie to decide. I I mean, What happened was, when I decided to make the film, I decided that I would look at it from three perspectives. Religious, uh, perspectives of religion, spirituality, uh, and science. And I got various religious perspectives, one of which was Christian. I've got to say that I was surprised at how open they were. Because a lot of the very high level philosophers and theologians and and so forth at the vatican read widely and and they have read you know the ancient scriptures from the east and so forth and whilst they do stick to their dogma they were a lot more open-minded than i thought they would be but you know what was what was interesting about the whole process now looking back on it you see i spent three years filming all around the world you know i bounced all over the place um i went to turkey to interview the sufis the mystical the mystical arm of um, Islam. You know, I went to the Australian Outback and uh, spoke to the Aboriginal wise men and elders and, and so forth, you know, indigenous people. Um, but the one thing that I got from the whole process, I, I, I interviewed 76 people over a three year period. There are 26 in the movies, so 50 people didn't make the cut. But the one thing that came through very clearly is that they're all essentially saying the same thing. They're just using their own particular language. You know, the, mm. they're using the language that, that fits into their particular take on it, their particular worldview, but essentially they're saying the same thing. And that mm. that was the thing that absolutely knocked me out.
3: Mm.
1: And so let's talk a little bit about intuition, Bill. So uh, mm. can you tell us from your travels, experience and interviews, what did you learn about the different types of intuition and how do they kind of come into form? When, I mean, we can hear things, see things, know things. What did you learn from all of these teachers about the different types of intuition?
2: Well, one thing i, I got to say, when I started the whole process, I was very confused about what intuition is. And I couldn't find a definition of intuition that really made sense to me. You know, there are various definitions that you'll find, but the, none of them really kind of, when you, when you really put them under a microscope, none of them really kind of work for me. I came up with my own definition of intuition. And that is, intuition is a sudden, unexplained insight that comes unaided by logic, intellect, or expertise. Now, that definition uh, did fit what I understood intuition to be. But here's something. A big breakthrough for me was that I began to realize that, you know, everything that I read, and I read widely, I read scientific stuff, I read, you know, I went right back to the Vedas, I read the Bhagavad Gita, I, you know, read early um, theosophical stuff by Madame Blavatsky, and Alice Bailey, you know, I read very, very widely. And the intuition was still a mystery to me. And then I had a breakthrough. I realized that there are, I have not read this anywhere else, this is just something that I come up with myself. But I, I, I began to realize that there are three types of intuition in broad categories, there's what we what I call survival intuition, which is intuition uh, intuition from the body. It is a survival mechanism that we have. So that's um, that's the feeling that we get that send, it kicks in with the fight or flight response. You know, you find yourself in a place where inexplicably the hairs on your arms and the back of your neck sort of raise, and you think, I've got to get out of here. There's danger here. There's a threat somewhere. That's what I call a body-based almost instinct of survival. You find it with mothers. Mothers just suddenly go, you know what, there's something wrong with my baby. I've got to go upstairs and check, check the baby. Mm-hmm. You know, and then they realize the baby's, you know, suffocating or something like that. Um, that's survival intuition. The second category is what I call cognitive intuition, which is intuition based on expert knowledge. Cognitive intuition is what a CEO uses when you know, he or she makes a gut decision. Or well, it's what a sportsman or elite elite athlete uses. They say, oh, I just did that intuitively. Ayrton Senna is a perfect example. He said, I, I just drive intuitively. But it's based on expert knowledge. Um, you know, the mechanic that fixes the tires on his car couldn't do what he does because uh, Ayrton Senna has expert knowledge. Uh, Federer, the great tennis players, they, they do the same thing.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So there's survival intuition. Cognitive intuition is intuition from the mind. And then you've got what I call s- mystical intuition mystical intuition is a voice that says slow down it's mystical intuition is inexplicable it cannot be um explained through logic intellect or past knowledge forgotten knowledge as as dean raden would call it mystical intuition presents as coincidence synchronicity it comes through dreams it can be an inexplicable gut feeling or or just a very very clear sense of knowing Mystical intuition, I believe, is intuition that comes from source. It, it, is, it comes from realms outside of you. And whilst you've got survival intuition, which is in, intuition from the body, cognitive intuition, which is intuition from the mind, mystical intuition is intuition from the soul. And that's what my film is about. It's about mystical intuition. And it's, about, um, and it's exploring our connection with a higher source.
1: Beautiful. I love those categories. Wow. I would agree with that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, Cody, i tell you what, When it took me a couple of years to kind of figure this out, um, you know, because people talk about intuition, but I realized that they were talking about a different kind of intuition to the one that I had experienced. You know, there are lots of books on intuition, but most of them are on cognitive intuition. They're not actually on what I call cognitive intuition. Um, I mean, I've made these terms up, but they make sense to me. But um, mystical intuition is something else, you know. And like this voice that comes out of the blue just saying, slow down. I mean, how do you explain that? That's not the same kind of intuition that, you know, say, a scientist would use in making a scientific breakthrough where they say, I just had an intuitive insight.
0: Right. Um, Well, and like um, in Malcolm Gladwell's book, Blink, he he covers – cognitive intuition very well. And one of the examples that stands out that he uses is like an art, a a professional um, art dealer can look at something and say, that's a fake and then not know how, right? Not know how they know that, but they just know it. And that's one of the descriptions he uses. And he covers that. And I think he covers the body intuition a lot in that book. But nobody really speaks to, at least in the scientific world that much, the, the mystical intuition, like you're, you're no. speaking of it. And and exactly. I love that you're able to make this movie and bring that to light.
2: I'm actually writing a book at the moment, which will be coming out shortly, which is the book of the film. But I go into this in more detail. And I do, whilst in the movie, I don't explain those three categories um, because there just wasn't time.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but in the, book, in the book that's coming out shortly, I do explain it. And I do spend time uh, looking at the three different categories. Because once you start to look at intuition that way you see the other thing too interestingly is that there is cross flow because intuition ultimately is energy we're talking about an energetic communication with us even cognitive and and survival intuition is still an energetic communication and because there are no boundaries with energy there is cross-flow and cross-pollination between cognitive and mystical and survival and mystical and and, and so forth you know so um so whilst I say there are these three categories, one does inform the other and, and, and so forth. So there, there is a blending of them, too, which makes it even more confusing sometimes.
3: Mm-hmm. But right. if,
2: you, if you look at intuition from the point of view of putting them into those three categories, then suddenly it starts to make more sense. And one of the things that I, I'm trying to do with the film and with this book as well is make intuition accessible. Um, I'm trying to to demystify it. I'm trying to get it to a point where people can say, you know what, this is something I can work with. This is something I can trust. This is something I can use in my life. Um, One of the things that I've realized is this, at its core, when you really break it down, at its core, intuition is only a messaging service. That's That's what it is. It's a messaging service. It sends us messages. And the reason it sends us messages is so that we can make the right choices, the right decisions, so that we can stick to our purpose in life. Hmm. I mean, I hope I'm not talking too much and interrupt me if I am, but, but but here's what I've come to believe. We are born, we are incarnated with a destiny blueprint. Now, that that blueprint has been worked out before we came into form in this incarnation, but we are we are incarnated with a destiny blueprint and the purpose of intuition is to keep us on point with that destiny blueprint. Now, you know, I do believe that we're aware of this blueprint in the first um, days and weeks and possibly even months and sometimes even years, Um, you know, but, but soon the veil of life kicks in and we forget it. And the purpose of our intuition is number one, the purpose of our intuition is to keep us safe, and keep us alive you know hence the voice with me that kept me alive so the primary purpose of intuition is to keep us away from harm and keep us alive but the secondary purpose is to is to keep us on our destiny path through life Mm -hmm. and if we listen to our intuition and if we follow it then we're going to be so much happier because what we're doing is we're following our true purpose in life
0: Mm mm-hmm Completely agree. Yeah, I agree. And, and I think that's why so many teachers, and I know I've said this, and, and De- David says this, is that as teachers, it's not that we're teaching you something new, but we're really reminding you of yourself and of who you are. And sure. and I think you just said that beautifully, Bill, like we come in with that blueprint and then the veil of life comes over, we forget it. And our intu- intuition is that one of those points of, of Kind of a reminder and sometimes that internal intuition does that and sometimes something or someone comes into our life that that helps to catalyze that us up on the head
2: yeah exactly <laughs> well, well that that i believe is part of your blueprint you see the thing is what i've come to understand is this is that intuition is creative and it's persistent and if it doesn't get to you one way it's going to get to you another way mm-hmm. you know so sometimes it requires somebody just walking straight up to you and looking you in the face and say hey, bill you really should do this or yeah, that it
0: requires that perfect set of waves out there calling at <laughs> you.
3: <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you right.
2: You know, if I'd looked down and it was flat as a tack, or suddenly, you know, 12 people had gone in the surf, I would have gone, oh, bugger that, I'm going to go and sit for the Exactly. Exam.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. And so, Bill, everyone has this blueprint. They, if they decide to live by their intuition and listen to it, they can stay on their path and fulfill that purpose. But then the challenge for a lot of us, I think at a very practical level, a daily level, I'm sure for you guys, I know for me, even as a teacher is like, do you listen every time and take the risk or do you kind of give into fear and rationality that says maybe this isn't the right choice. And it's almost a little too coincidental that often the intuitive path tends to push your buttons a little bit more, whether it's the fear buttons or, or whatever the other buttons are. And you, it's almost like we have to overcome something inside of ourselves to be able to take that Leap. So for you, it was like you know maybe your parents would have been upset, or you didn't know what your next step in life would be, and you just did it anyway by going surfing. Uh, and for everyone, uh, it's a little bit different, but there's, there are these similarities of overcoming some doubt and some fear, and just and taking some risk uh, into the unknown. I think that's a hard thing to do for a lot of us because we're brought up in a very rationally based mindset. But I think your film and your message is an incredible reminder that, hey, it worked out for Bill. <laughs> you know, you'll be okay.
3: <laughs> yeah,
2: look, David, one, one of the things that I've tried to do in the movie is not in any way proselytize. What, what, sure. I'm, what I'm doing is I'm saying, look, this happened to me and th- these are the conclusions I came to. So I'm not mm-hmm. saying you should do this or you should do that. You know, you're absolutely right. It did work out for me. And now I live this way absolutely and... The benefits from it have been incredible. I've got to say this, and that is that strangely people think if you follow your intuition, then it's it's a passive process. You give yourself into guidance. Um, Whereas if you follow your uh, intellect, it's an active process and you're actively doing things and you're taking control. Well, okay, a couple of things. Number one, control is the second biggest inhibitor to intuition. The first being fear. But mm. control is a fear-based mechanism anyway. Mm. But what I've discovered is this, and that is that I am now more productive and much more productive, and I'm earning more money, and I'm doing more things, more complex things and so forth, since I have begun to work intuitively. And the reason is this. My intellect, when I worked with my intellect and my you know, ego and my type A personality and stuff, it let me... I would set goals and then I would and set milestone points to reach those goals and so forth. And I would use my will force to achieve those goals and achieve those milestones to get to those goals. Then I get to that goal and realize, you know what, that was a total waste of time. That never worked out. You know, people hate what I'm doing or, or you know, that um, that business decision, if you like, just was a wrong decision. So, but my intellect at the time said, no, Bill, that is you know, the market's going to like this, or, you know, you really should do this for these, you know, sort of career strategic points of view or whatever. But I went down the wrong path and I waste a lot of time and a lot of money uh, doing that. Now working intuitively, I only do things if my intuition says that I should do them. And I'm finding that I'm much more efficient and pretty much everything that I'm doing now is working because because it's based on following my guidance so rather than you you know you think well if you just follow guidance then it's a passive approach and you know it's going to take you much more time to do anything no in fact i'm using my time much more efficiently and i'm being much more productive
0: in following guidance yeah and i actually think that following your intuition is more active yeah I think they're reversed from the way you, you originally said it, even though that's how people think it is. Exactly. Because yeah. I think following just the, the fear-based side or even the analytical side can be uh, more reactive where following the intuition, you have to actually act on it and be present. And there's a whole reason why that's different. I, I think one of the things that, a point back to what David was saying about where following the intuition tends to push our buttons more, since it, mm-hmm. since it is guiding us into our path and purpose, it is also pushing us to have to grow. So every time we look at that step where we're going to follow our intuition, there is some level of growth in it for us. And I don't mean intellectual growth because we can, we can all pursue that and become smarter, but I mean spiritual growth and growth as a human being.
2: Well, Cody, I, I firmly believe that. What I've come to believe is this, is that, is that look most of, most of us work from survival mode. You know um we want to keep our jobs we want to keep our relationships without us even realizing we make so many decisions from the moment we wake up based on fear um and most of that is is based on our belief that we have to survive um what happens then is you've got okay so if you've got your one part of you is wanting to make uh, intellect based decisions. The other side is wanting to make intuitive based decisions. Intellect based decisions are always almost by definition, um, based on what you know, based on past knowledge, um, common experience, um, common sense, what you, you know, what, what was drummed into you in school, what your parents taught you, so forth. When we follow our intellect, what we're doing is we're delving into what I call the archives all the time we're, we're pulling from what's known. When we follow our intuition, we're pulling from what's not known, from the unknown. So, when we follow intellect, we're always dealing with what's known and our ideas seldom are fresh or new or original and we're always constrained and we're always kept small. When we follow intellect, intuition, we step off into the unknown and that leads to extraordinary creativity originality freshness new ideas you know these are things that are valued now in the world that we're living in where things are changing so fast but people are scared to step into the unknown they're scared to to follow intuition once again because fear stops them but intuition leads to expansion as you say growth um it leads to the limitless Whereas following, following your intellect leads to contraction, constriction. It always keeps you small. There's no, there's no real growth in following a, an intellect-based path. There is growth in following an intuitive-based path.
1: I love that. Yeah. Love that. So, Bill, I wanted to ask you about something kind of trippy but really intriguing so for example, you've you've met with and interviewed James Van Prague and Lee Carroll. James Van Prague is a professional medium who communicates with the deceased and Lee Carroll channels a being called Cro ch- ch- Chiron. Cryon. 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 Uh, yeah. And so that is more than just intuition. Now we're going into the... Into the Way deep. into mysticism. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Did you, in your travels, in your experiences, in your interviews, get to experience some of what James Van Praag or Lee Carroll, some of these other intuitive, medical intuitives, uh, clairvoyant like Michael Tamora, did you get to experience some of their abilities and did they uh, work with you, on you? Did you watch their classes? What did you learn from that more
2: trippy side of things? Okay, a number of things here. There's somebody else that I I interviewed who I believe is absolutely extraordinary in the same level as uh, Lee Carroll and James, and that's Paul Selig. He's a New York-based channel, um, and he has written a series of books. The first is called I Am The Word. Um, These people, Lee Lee Carroll, James, and Paul Selig, and Michael Tamura as well, have influenced me hugely. You see, the way I see it is this. I heard a voice so i then had to figure out what is that voice where does it come from does it come from another realm is it is the voice actually me in another form in another aspect um what is that aspect and and what is that an aspect of you know it's interesting that when i really started to get into this i started to realize that i only wanted to interview um, practitioners of intuition not, not, um, not necessarily scholars or people who interpret intuition, but hardcore at the cold face practitioners of intuition. And so that's why I found these people who channel really interesting, because if I heard a voice, then they're in direct communication with where that voice comes from. Um, and they hear voices as well. Uh, I mean, Lee Carroll, who... who you know, he, he channels cryon, but cryon is in fact, um, they present as one entity, but they in fact are a group of spirit guides that um, coalesce into this one um, term cryon. And the same with Paul Selig and his guides, he calls them his guides. I firmly believe this stuff. Um, I've been to these workshops, I've seen these guys do this stuff in real time. You can't make this up. And that's the thing that I find really extraordinary. It's one of the things that I I find, I find incredible that that more people aren't actually doing their research and realizing that this stuff is real. It's real. I I have been in, um, in sessions with Lee Carroll where he has for 45 minutes uh, channeled cryon. And I tell you what, as a filmmaker, film director and producer, um, if I had an actor do a 45 minute monologue with the level of articulation and absolute credibility, you know, I'd give that person an award. Uh, you can't make this stuff up. Uh, and the same, the same with uh, Paul Selleck and the same with James. I, I've been in, I've been in workshops with James where he has plucked somebody sitting a few seats away from me out of the, out of the audience and started talking to, you know, a loved one that has passed. And I've seen the effect that that has had on that person sitting only a few seats away from me. And this is not made up. This is not fake. You know, this is not something for the TV cameras. This is real. Um, You know, the reaction to that person is something that you can't fake. Um, You you know, once, once again, I use my, um, my knowledge as a film director to know what's real and what's not real in terms of performance. This is not performance stuff. This is real. So then it makes sense to me. You know, if we, if we believe that there are realms higher than us, where these beings and spirits exist, you know, then suddenly your whole, the whole way you look at the world changes. For instance, I interviewed Kellen Mace and I asked her, are angels real? And she said, yeah, you know, she's really very, very tough one. she said, yes, they're real. Michael Tamura told me that angels are real. Now, consider this. Consider if at this moment you're talking to me, I'm talking to you, but just consider this. At this moment, you have around you, say, four or five angels, you know, beings of light, angels, and they're actually with you right at this moment. And they're you know, tacitly saying, this conversation is going well. You, know? <laughs> you guys should be talking about this. But if you think that there are angels around you, and then ask yourself, how does that, how does that affect your behavior? You know, if you believe that you have angels with you, then suddenly you want to clean up your act a little bit. You know, you, you, you don't want to be mean to, you know, to the waitress that's, um, you, know, bought, you know, hasn't been giving you full attention or, you know, <laughs> or something like that or, you know, you, you, don't, you don't even want to start to think mean thoughts or horrible thoughts about people. I mean, this notion that, that we're surrounded by angels, hey, and listen, I can't even believe I'm talking like this, you know, because I'm the bloke who started off this movie not believing in angels and stuff like this at all,
3: you mm, know. Right.
2: Um, you know, so I've, I've been influenced hugely by the people that I've met and looking at them and studying them and really doing my homework and doing my research and coming to the conclusion that this stuff is real. You know, the world isn't as we believe it to be. The world is a far more, I mean, I quote in my, in my film Shakespeare, um, there are more things in heaven and earth, Horatio, than are dreamt of in your philosophy.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. You know, that's, that's why I see it now. The world is a far more metaphysical, spiritual, um, complex place than we realize.
0: I, and I think it's a far more interesting place when you start to open up to an awareness of that energy is real and the yeah. intuition behind it. It's just, I don't know, it just becomes so interesting to me and yeah. so rich at, yeah. at that level.
1: And so. that's what Cody and I spend all day teaching and do, working with clients and opening up this world more and more. And it's amazing to have people like you who are journalists, filmmakers, to dive into it, open it up for the rest of us and share it in a way that we never could. So thank you so much for the amazing work that you're doing, Bill. Um, If anybody wants to, if everybody wants to see the movie, because you absolutely should, uh, PGS, Intuition is your personal guidance system. Uh, You can go to pgsthemovie.com, see where it's playing. You've been selling out theaters all over the world.
0: It's been going very You've well. Been traveling all over the world, <laughs> my goodness.
2: Yeah, that's yeah, true. There's, um, and the response yeah. the film is getting has just been really quite extraordinary, quite surprising. I didn't, I didn't believe that it would get this response. It's been
1: oh yeah, very
2: very, very, very encouraging.
1: We, we have a Facebook uh, group for meditation and, and people kept posting your movie into the group right. and I kept looking at the post going, what is that? I don't know. Why is someone, what do people keep posting that? Yeah, they were loving
0: it. Yeah.
1: Uh, <laughs> and then we had to click through eventually and check it out. So you've got some persistent fans out there. That's for sure, Bill.
2: You um, know, David, the thing about is this, is that, um, I'm no expert. I'm, I'm not like James Van Prague who can talk to dead people. I'm not like, um, you know, Michael who can, who can heal people energetically or, or or Lee Carroll or Paul Sillick who can channel. I'm, I don't have any of these qualities. I'm just an ordinary person. But what I do have is I have curiosity Mm -hmm. and it was curiosity that, that got me to make this film. Um, you know, so I'm approaching this from the point of view of, of, you know, pretty much any, anybody in this, in in your audience that is just like me, just a regular bloke, you know, um, and that's, that's the way that I've approached and that's the way that I deal with it.
1: And I think that, um, Cody and I agree on this, and I think you would too, that anybody, anybody and everybody could develop their intuition if they wanted to, if they started
0: Absolutely. paying attention. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's the need to be in human. Attention.
2: Yep. Absolutely. Paying attention is a really, really crucial word. But the other thing that you've just said is be willing. You've got to be willing to do it. And some people aren't, and that's Okay. Um, But when you are willing, then, you know, just start to start to work with it and see, see that it does work. And then like me, you'll be encouraged to work with it more.
1: Yeah. And I had my first intuitive experience uh, in Rishikesh. Which led me down the path of and I ended up being the director of an intuitive training school, and then and then here we are with this podcast. <laughs> it's, it's it's not this thing that everyone's like born with at two years old. You're seeing ghosts, <laughs> <and laughs> handling,
3: no. it.
1: <laughs> sometimes yeah. it's something that develops in
0: adulthood over time. A quiet voice that gets louder. Yeah, think, yeah. and yours is getting louder. And sometimes people have it, and in in our society and in whatever culture they're in or group, it's not really recognized for what it is or validated. Um, When you were telling a story a moment ago, Bill, uh, it made me think of this this guy I was teaching many years ago about what intuition is, and I had a number of people in class, and there was this one kind of middle-aged gentleman in class, and as I was talking about all the different kind of facets of what intuition is all of a sudden his face lit up and, and he just kind of all of a sudden had this epiphany. He said, well, that's my common sense. Mm. And he could never figure out why nobody else had that level of common sense that he had. Well, he was the, the intuitive in the group, but there wasn't a word or no one could validate that for him. So he just always thought, well, that voice that told him which way to go, he called that his common sense. And he thought everybody had it. Mm -hmm. as active as he does. So sometimes we have these abilities like intuition and kind of ability to connect with and hear spirit, and it's unrecognized. But Mm -hmm. now it's becoming more like a film like yours is letting that light bulb go off for thousands and thousands of people.
2: You know, uh, in my film, Carolyn Mace uh, says, intuition is ordinary. Mm-hmm. You know, she says it's, it's divinity in your DNA. And I think this notion that, that intuition um, isn't, isn't something special for, you know, people with particular sensitivities or skills or whatever, we all have it. Um, and it is constantly pinging us. I call intuition, I call intu- intu- intuitive hits, DDMs, direct divine messaging. <laughs> <laughs> and and we we get these ddms all the time um but we don't recognize them as intuition but that's what they are it's like a psychic
1: text that's, yeah absolutely it's <laughs> the a cosmic right. text that comes right to yeah. this yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's wonderful well uh, bill i think we've taken enough of your time today uh it's still your morning so you got a probably wonderful day ahead of you we so so appreciate you being here with us and sharing all your wisdom from all your travels and experience, uh, and you really are opening this world up to so many people. So thank you for that,
0: David. Thank thanks you. so much. Yeah. And thank we'll talk
1: David. a little bit more about where you can find Bill's work in the in the post show and the pre show, and um, listen to that voice, everyone. When you listen closely, closely, you'll hear Bill telling you <laughs>
2: all of the way. Go, go go surfing. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm I'm Bill sure Bennett, everyone, thank you for okay. being here. Thank you. Thanks for listening.
0: Thank you, David. Thank you,
1: Karen. thank you, Bill. All the way from Australia, that was Bill Bennett, everybody, and he is on quite the journey, and he's got quite the platform to share it on. His movie's been selling out all across the world, and he's really reaching people with this message about the importance of intuition and whether that's listening to your inner voice, your inner feeling, your inner sight, inner knowing. And I love how he broke down the different kinds of intuition, like the body intuition, the mind intuition. Uh, I'm not calling them by the terms he used. And, and then that soul or spirit intuition. Uh, I love the that, that breakdown. I haven't heard it that way before. I'm glad he shared that with us. Um, if you want to find Bill Bennett, you can Go to his website. It's pgsthemovie.com. Check out to see if it's playing somewhere near you. You can probably also watch his other dozen or so films that he's created over his lifetime. His an entire body of work that uh, I want to explore. And he was a really fascinating guy, quite the journey. I would love to travel around the world just making a, a film about intuition, wouldn't you, Cody? That'd be pretty cool.
0: That would be pretty cool. Yeah,
1: it'd be great. Uh, Lucky, lucky guy. And we're lucky to have him on the show today. That was Bill Bennett, everyone. Thank you so much for listening as always. You can get all of our episodes on energymatterspodcast.com or on iTunes uh, or somewhere out there in the podcast ethers. So use your intuition. You'll find us. (laughs) Thank you all so much for listening. And we will see you in the next episode. See
0: you, everybody. You've been listening to the Energy Matters Podcast with Cody Edner and David Gandelman. Brought to you by intuitivevision.net and groundedmind.com. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or soundcloud.com.